Hello, and welcome to Wide Open Spaces with Elise, a podcast. This is episode number 74, My Hysterectomy Journey, Why Music is My Jam. Check me out at wideopenspaceswithelise.com. Elise is spelled I-L-I-S-E, and we are on a journey today to explore how music can change our lives. This podcast evolved out of a global pandemic. We're still in a pandemic, but life seems to be getting back to normal. But way back when, which we all can vaguely remember, we were stuck at home, encouraged to stay home to protect ourselves from the COVID virus. And that's when this podcast evolved. Through my skills as a therapist and some journalistic techniques I learned in college, I created Wide Open Spaces with Elise. I believe we all have wide open spaces within ourselves that can be filled with positive, healthy coping skills. Now, forgive me, last week there was not a podcast launched. I had um, launched an old podcast of mine that referred back to how a town is affected by a mass shooting. I live in Parkland, Florida, where 17 people, children and adults, were killed at a local high school. This past week at Uvalde, Texas, there were 19 people, children, little children and adults who were killed by a mass shooter. And so I decided to replay an old podcast to let you know how trauma can affect us how mass shootings in a town near you can affect you and myself, and how my town went through it. So check it out. I also didn't record a live podcast last week because I had no voice. So bear with me. I sound a little deeper than usual. Maybe if you say a little sexy. So this is the deep voice, Elise, at Wide Open Spaces with Elise. So... This season three that I launched is called The Journey. And in The Journey, I talked about how things in life just kind of pile up on us, one after the other after the other. And I shared some. I shared my experience as a juror on jury duty. The one I've been holding off the most on, sharing, was really the biggest trigger. I had to have an emergency hysterectomy. Now, I am 54 years old. It was nothing I ever expected. I will share a little bit of what I went through with you so that you can understand how dark things kind of got for me and how confused and unsure of myself I became. And the reason why I'm sharing this is not that you have to have a hysterectomy to understand me, but it's that to show how someone who is moving through life, coping, coping with life's normal ups and downs, and then something major happens. That's what happened to me. Things were going okay. I always had some types of feminine discomfort, don't we all, if you're a female listening and men just try to understand And so when you get these pings and pangs down there, you kind of just ignore them. I had had my annual 
about four months prior and everything was good. So I ignored it. But each day I started to get this soreness in my lower right quadrant and kind of just ignored it. Thought maybe I slept funny, maybe I pulled a muscle, maybe I twisted weird. I don't know. You know how when we don't feel good, we kind of try to figure out why. So I went through that for a couple of days. And then it was my daughter's 16th birthday. I had family in from out of town and we were going to have a nice dinner out that night. And as we're out that night, the pain is increasing and increasing. And I'm trying to smile. It's my daughter's birthday. I have family in from Chicago. If you look back at the pictures, you'd never know I was in pain. My sister-in-law even said, I didn't even notice she was in pain. I can't believe she was in that much pain and she was able to basically hide it. Got home that night and was pacing a little bit and it was just really hurting. But I went to sleep and I, I slept all night. I woke up the next morning and kind of felt better. Okay, it's passing. Two hours later, the pain starts again. It becomes really intense. So I reach out to my doctor and she tells me to take some ibuprofen and she sets up an ultrasound for me for Monday after the weekend because this was a Friday. Well, the ibuprofen doesn't work, and I reach out to her again, and she's like, you really should go to the ER. Well, in my head, I'm going, I can't go to the ER. I have a party for my daughter tonight with her friends at a fondue restaurant. I can't go to the ER. My husband begins to convince me and says, the good thing is it's early in the day, so by the time they figure out what's wrong, you'll be discharged, and you can go to her party. So we go. When COVID was a little high, because it was the end of January, and I was freaking out, even the fact that I was having to sit in an ER with people coughing and sneezing and, you know, all that. <clears throat> and so they finally take me in and do the normal, you know, intake, and they did ultrasounds. They did all kinds of things. And they found out I had a cyst on my ovary. So they gave me some painkillers and spoke to my doctor and sent me home because I had an ultrasound with her and an appointment with her on Monday. So I got to go to my daughter's birthday dinner at the fondue restaurant. Yet, it wasn't so good. Now her friends were sitting in a separate booth with their curtain pool pulled. They had no idea what I was going through. I couldn't even eat. I kept shifting and moving. The pain was really intense. So I reached out to my doctor again. She told me, you need to go to the ER, you need to be admitted for pain management, and you need to have surgery as soon as possible. Okay, I have a cyst. They're going to do surgery. Go back to the ER. I get in quicker because I had just been in there. But I sat in my little cubicle. Thank God it had a door on it so there was privacy for four hours until I started to complain. I'm just waiting. Bring me to my room bending over my bed, moaning and groaning in pain. Honestly, I have a high threshold for pain. I've had two cesarean sections. Nothing beats this. The pain was so intense. I finally get wheeled to my room, and I have a sense of relief because I know the morphine's coming on through the IV. Once it started to work, I was able to relax. Of course, my blood pressure was high, and they're freaking me out about that, but who the hell's blood pressure 
wouldn't be high under those circumstances. And of course, you know, you never sleep in the hospital because just as you're falling asleep, they're coming in to do vitals and check on you and, and whatever. So on that Saturday, the um, doctor on call from the office, who I have seen before, very nice doctor, came in and talked to me, and he was pretty honest with me. He said, you know, at your age, to have a cyst that size, it's quite unusual. And until we biopsy it, we really don't know what it is. Okay, so we all hear that word biopsy. Well, I've had lots of biopsies. I've had malignant melanoma in my past, but a biopsy on an ovary cyst, that kind of freaked me out. He said, you know, they're saying it's a dermoid cyst, but I'm not sure, which by the way, a dermoid cyst is a congenital defect. You're born with it. And so they left the room and I was a little freaked out. And he called back, came back in the room and told me, it does kind of look like a dermoid cyst on the ultrasound. So I relaxed a little bit. Saturday night, Sunday, blood, can't have much visitors. You can have one visitor for an hour, one visitor because of COVID. I began to watch every show I never watched on TLC. TLC is now one of my favorite channels. I've been to watch so many shows just sitting there trying to occupy myself, buzzing the nurse when the morphine would wear off, and just trying to be a trooper. Basically, I was told my surgery wouldn't be till Monday. So they needed to have a full staff for a robotic surgery. Okay. That night, Sunday night, in the middle of the night, the nurse comes to draw my blood. And I'm and the nurse goes, do you need morphine? And I said, yeah, I'm in a lot of pain. And so he says, well, let me go take this because this has to be sent to a different lab. And I said, why does that blood have to be sent to a different lab? Well, we don't do those tests here. Okay, so my freak out motor starts to, you know, rumble a little bit. He leaves, gives me the morphine. Then early that morning, a change of shift, which is usually 7 a.m., he pops his head in and says he's about to introduce the new nurse to me and says, wait a minute, and closes the door, but not all the way. And I overhear him saying that they think it might be a dermoid cyst or it might be cancer, and I took the blood last night, and I just started almost going la, 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 la in my head because I didn't want to hear anymore. And so... <clears throat> the doctor had come to see me the night before and expressed to me that I needed a hysterectomy. Wait a minute. First I had a cyst, dermoid cyst. Now it could be cancer. Now I need a hysterectomy. I really didn't have time to process it. And she said, you know, we can just take out the ovary and the cyst but you let me know. So now I'm thinking about what I heard the nurse talking about, deciding whether I should have a hysterectomy, calling my regular doctors, and of course they're recommending the hysterectomy because what if we don't take it all out? And 10 years from now, cancer rears its ugly head, and then we're mad that we didn't take it all out. So I agreed to the hysterectomy. It all happened kind of so fast that, 
yes, there were a lot of tears shed, but I think I was crying more because I was in so much pain and I just wanted it to end. I don't know that I was really thinking of the ramifications of a hysterectomy. I mean, if I really was, I probably would have been Googling what what to expect from a hysterectomy and, and post-op and all that stuff, and I, and I just did it. And they wheeled me into the pre-op area, and everybody was super nice. And um, the doctor came in, and, you know, she explained what she was going to do. And then she called my doctors, and she said, well, I'm here with your VIP, which kind of made me feel a little good because I felt like, not that the doctor would treat me any other way, but some psychological way I felt like I was going to be treated like a queen under her knife the robot's knife that she was going to guide through my belly. And so the next thing I remember is the nurse telling me, here comes the good stuff. And then I open my eyes and people are over me and moving wires and, and shifting me. And I hear, it's over. What? I mean, it's the most bizarre thing if you've ever had surgery where you've been intubated for anesthesia, not just a local surgery where they kind of give you that twilight, where you're really out. You literally close your eyes and you wake up and it's over. And then when you think back of all these things that they did to you while you were unconscious, I mean, it is quite frightening, but at the same time, a blessing, obviously, because you close your eyes and wake up and it's over. And I know this is just me and I don't know how I feel about the afterlife and what, but I heard a voice next to me that said, babe, you're good now. It's all over. And that voice sounded like my father's. And whether it was just in my head or it was real, I'll never know. But it felt good because going through all this, I would have had my dad to talk to when I was in the hospital. Of course, my husband calmed me down and my mother and my girls, but my dad always had a way and he wasn't there. So to hear that at the end, that it was over, I could take a deep sigh of relief. And they wheeled me back to my room and it was over. Of course, it really wasn't over because all the pain began from that point. And so... I was going to be discharged the next day. My doctor came to see me and, you know, she explained to me everything that she did. And I had four incisions and, you know, that I have to get up and I have to move around. You know, all the stuff if you've had surgery that they tell you you have to do. So I went home on Tuesday and there began the recovery process. Now, because I didn't Google it. There are so many things that could have helped me along through this recovery that I just didn't know about. This belt that you put on your stomach that helps and whatever. All I know is I just kept taking the painkillers for at least the first three days because, God, that's what I needed. And I have to thank God that I had a bed that I could raise, one of those electric beds, because getting up was something from out of this world. I mean, like I said, I had a C-section, but this... They took out my entire reproductive system. So not only were the incisions, but everything was gone. And after a few days, and as I'm getting to this point, I can feel my throat and my emotions start to whirl up, which is why it took me four months to share this with you, because I needed to be ready 
to share. And that's an important thing. If you're in crisis, yes, you should share with somebody as soon as you can. But if you're going through something that you have to go through the emotions, sometimes it takes time for you to share. Sometimes you don't have to share. Sometimes sharing is therapeutic. And if you don't think this is therapeutic for me right now, well, you're mistaken. Because it's taking a lot of everything I have to talk about this out loud. After a few days, I have a therapy friend who called me. She was one of the few people that I actually picked the phone up because I just really didn't have the energy. And we just have a connection, therapist, therapist. And I said to her, I'm never going to be the same again. And she said, that concerns me. Why are you even saying that? And I said, I don't know. But I just feel like I'm never going to be the same person again. And so that conversation stayed with me. And as time goes on, I mean, it takes eight weeks before you can really do anything after a hysterectomy, especially if you have a total hysterectomy. Again, they're taking out your entire organs, your entire reproductive system. Something that you are born with is now gone. There's space there. There's empty space there. And so going through the stitches healing and the internal discomfort and pain and not being able to sleep and tossing and turning and the lack of sleep and everything thereof that goes with it. I also had this emotional thing start going on inside of me. And I really couldn't put my finger on it. And I wanted to go take a little walk because I felt like I needed to walk a little bit. Before I went for my walk, my husband said to you, I'm, I'm really proud of you. And I said, why? The way you're handling, handling all of this. And it really felt good that he said that. But I knew internally, I really wasn't handling it so well. You see, it almost felt like an identity crisis. I used to say, and naive of me, I guess, that women who suffered from breast cancer, if I had that diagnosis, I'd say take my breasts. And I would still to this day, like I did with my entire reproductive system. But I didn't think about how it actually feels, even if they reconstruct your breasts. That part of your femininity is taken away from you. And see, mine was the internal feminine part. Deep with inside of me, the part that held my daughters, that gave birth to my daughters and nurtured them, was gone. I didn't feel feminine. And a friend, a very good friend that I spoke to, said she had used heard this word used once before by another friend who had a hysterectomy. And it was androgynous. Being androgynous is... Not feeling like a female and not feeling like a male. You're kind of somewhere in between. Genetically, you are who you are, but you kind of, the way you dress and the way you feel is somewhere in the middle. Now, obviously, I don't dress androgyny, but I feel androgynous because my female parts are gone. 
And this is something I really had to deal with and where the deep, dark hole came into my life. I've always been a philosophical person. If you've been listening to me, you already know that. Trying to find the meaning in it and how I can use it to benefit my life and others and and how I can start a new future. I mean, I'll never have periods and I'll never have feminine pain down there again and I don't ever have to have a pap smear again. But somewhere along the line, Elise got lost when those organs got taken out. Those organs that just got put into some red biohazard container after they were biopsied. The good news was the biopsy came back negative. It was no cancer. It was that dermoid cyst that I was born with that just grew at the age of 54. It was huge, the doctor said. So huge that it twisted my fallopian tube three times and she didn't even know how I was still standing from that kind of pain. Well, that pain is gone and I'm just dealing with the emotional scars from it. Now, I'm not going to lie. Every day I get a little bit better and I get a little bit stronger and then I have some down days. I don't have those hot flashes that people get or those emotional swings, so I guess I'm great as far as that goes. And I don't have to ever worry about having any female type of cancer. But I still don't have my reproductive system. And so I decided that I had to move forward and identify with this new body and embrace it and not treat it like it's the plague or something that's just not a part of me anymore because it still is. Ultimately, I'm still me. I just have a little bit of a different perspective on life like we all do when we go through trauma. And so I had to find that one thing that every single day I could utilize to pick me up because each day I don't know how I'm going to feel when I wake up because I'm adjusting. My friend who's that therapist, she called it PTSD because it was trauma. It was unexpected. It happened fast. Most women who know they're going to get a hysterectomy have their surgery planned two or three weeks ahead of time so they could research, so they could process. And I didn't have that. So I'm have this trauma inside of me where there was no processing. It was just taken away. It had to be taken away. But I was left with an empty space, literally inside of me. And so I had to really dig deep. I first began on a Facebook group called the Hysterectomy Sisters. And I've never commented on it. I just read and there's the horror stories on there of people who have had some setbacks and whatnot from their surgeries. Thank God I didn't have any. But a lot of what they were going through emotionally. And I didn't hear anybody or read anybody talk about this androgynous feeling. But the feeling of losing something that they've always had and how to identify a little bit better with themselves since the surgery. 
So I did that for a while, but that wasn't cutting it because there were the sob stories in there and, and they're legitimate. And these women, some of them are going through some horrible side effects and after effects. And some of them are very young who had hysterectomies. So at least I had my babies already. So I really needed to find something. And honestly, it was simple. Why is this called the hysterectomy journey? Music is my jam because it was music. For me, music has always been magical. If you've listened to previous seasons, I've talked about music often. I'll read lyrics to music that have to do with a specific topic, depression, anxiety, where the writer of the song talks about those things because music therapy is such an amazing tool. And so I decided that was going to be my tool. Now, every season I talk about coming up with our own theme song, your own individual theme song. Okay, so what does that mean? A song that you feel represents you where you are in your life right now. The lyrics speak to you. They bring those emotions out happy or sad or just kind of say where you are right now in your life. And somehow when you listen to that song, you feel at peace. You feel your mood elevated. You feel that your feelings are being confirmed and listened to, even if it's just through lyrics. And so it's a theme song. And each of you can think of a song or maybe you need to research that song that fits you. That's a theme of where your life is right now. Just like you watch TV shows, and they're not as big as they used to be. But years ago, and I'm sorry for my younger listeners, a lot of TV shows had their theme song with lyrics, like Friends. I'm sure a lot of you, even if you're younger, have watched Friends and know the song from Friends. And so those were theme songs that represented the global aspect of what that show was about. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's what your theme song should be. What are you about? And normally I say every year pick a new theme song. Well, for me, I'm not going to do that. Only because I feel last year's theme song is even more apropos to me right now. And my theme, theme song is by Pink, All I Know So Far. What I do with this song is I have it saved as my favorite on my Spotify. And every morning, if it's not raining, I go outside. I have my earbuds in. I put my face up to the sun and close my eyes. And I play my theme song. The song of my life right now. And no matter what mood I woke up in, no matter what feelings I was having, that song lifts my spirits because it speaks to me. It kind of massages the sadness that's inside of me and makes me realize that I'll walk through the rain, but I'll also walk through sunshine. And it lets me know that I can move on with the day. And each day that I listen to my theme song, standing out with the sun on my face, those wide open spaces that I talk about, 
and I listen to the words and I listen to the beats and the sound of her voice, it uplifts me. And sometimes it may not uplift me to the same levels, but it gets me going in the right direction. So that's your goal for today, for this year of season three of Wide Open Spaces with Elise, is to find your theme song. Google it, print out the lyrics. You know, when we listen to music, we don't always hear those lyrics so well. So sometimes when you print it out, you can see actually you might have misunderstood what a word was or, or what the, the artist was trying to convey. And when it's broken down with lyrics, it's almost like in poetry form. And you can read and stop and take a breath. And, and so sometimes if you can't listen to the song, have the lyrics close by. Pull them up on your phone and read them when you're feeling like you might be in a shaky moment. Your theme song is yours to hold and embrace and to use. I talk about your coping skill toolbox often on these podcasts. This is one of those main coping skills that you will have in your toolbox that you can pull out no matter where you are. You can either listen to it or read it, whatever it takes for you to get through those moments where you feel like you're wobbling a little bit or you're having some negative thoughts or you feel like you're kind of falling into that dark hole that I was talking about that I was in. Excuse me. And so I hope as I'm talking, you've got a theme song in mind. And if you don't, well, your assignment is to go research one. Pull up your Pandora. Really read the lyrics and see how you identify to it. What I'm going to do is, I wish I could play her song for you if you haven't heard it before, but obviously I do not have the rights to Pink's song of all I know so far. But I can read to you some lyrics of it that kind of express, and maybe after you've heard this hysterectomy story, it kind of gives you an idea of what I was going through and how this song really became my theme song, even more so than it did last year. And so here are some of the lyrics from Pink. I wish someone would have told me that this life is ours to choose. No one's handing you the keys or a book with all the rules. The little that I know, I'll tell to you. When they dress you up in lies and you're left naked with the truth. You throw your head back and you spit in the wind. Let the walls crack because they let the light in. Let them drag you through hell. They can't tell you to change who you are. That's all I know so far. And when the storm's out, you run in the rain. Put your sword down, dive right into the pain. Stay unfiltered and loud. You'll be proud of that skin full of scars. That's all I know so far. That's all I know so far. So you might give yourself away, yeah, and pay full price for each mistake. But when the candy coating hides the razor blades, you can out yourself loose and use that rage. I wish someone would have told me that the darkness comes and goes. People will pretend, but baby girl, nobody knows. And when I can't teach you how to fly, 
but I can show you how to live life like your life is on the line. You throw your head back and you spit in the wind. Those are some lyrics from her song. And it just really speaks to me. The very first four lines of her song go, Haven't always been this way. I wasn't born a renegade. I felt alone, still feel afraid. I stumble through it anyways. And then it says again, I wish someone would have told me that this life is ours to choose. And that line stands with me the most because I can choose to stay in that deep, dark hole or I can continue to pull myself out every day, adjust to my new body, my new thoughts, my new feelings, my new way of life. It's almost like I've been reborn to a different person and I have to find her and learn about her. And there is something kind of exciting in that because who knows where this new me will take me and what new exciting adventures I will go on. And I hopefully I'll take you on some of them with me. And so the idea of wide open spaces, going out and exploring all those wide open spaces in your world, mean even more to me now. Because now my world is different through my eyes. And I see there's so much more for me to go and explore. And those empty, confused spaces that are inside of me, I will fill with those positive, healthy coping skills. And if you are somebody out there who's struggling, who's been through a trauma like I recently have four months ago, Find your theme song. And if you don't feel music works for you, then find that it thing that pulls you out of that dark hole every single day. It must be something you start with. Maybe it's a positive affirmation. Maybe it's reading those books that each day has a different quote or positive verse in it. Maybe for you it's reading a Bible. Whatever it may be, for me, it's music and it's pink. And pink, Pink's words will resonate for the next year as my theme song every day throughout my life. Throughout those 24 hours, no matter where I am, I will pull those words out if I'm feeling like I'm stumbling a little bit. But I will absolutely, no matter where I am, whether it's going to work going to carpool, going on a trip, I will start each day with these words, lyrics, beats of this music. Because music is magical. Yes, it's magic. It pulls me out of a deep, dark hole. Now, I won't give music all of the rights to this. It took a lot of work on my part to not fall into a depressive state, to not stay in my bed when I knew it was time to get up. It took a lot of work and to start to talk to people again and call friends and meet people for a meal or a lunch and even working on this podcast. So I've done a lot of work, but the music, the music, the music is my coping mechanism. 
to help me start each day with my theme of me, Elise. So I encourage you to go out and explore all those wide open spaces in your world. Thank you for listening to this deeper version of me. And remember, positive thoughts always create positive energy. Remember, pop in those earbuds and listen. Check out some of my older podcasts. And I hope you are enjoying the journey in season three and this episode number 74. And ciao.